golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. People fall drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. Let's turn on the lights. I love it late. Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, on a Thursday special edition of the Golf Insiders. You can find us most Wednesday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. But for those of you who are our loyal listeners, perhaps you're tuning in right now. And for those of you who are listening as you're cruising home a little bit late this evening, uh, we hope to keep you entertained with a fast hour of intelligent golf talk. And uh, if you're new or someone that's not familiar with our free e-club, which gives you all kinds of swag and opportunities to participate in some of our contests, you can sign up for it for free at thegolfinsiders.com. Just click the button on the left-hand nav bar. The free e-club at the Golf Insiders, and you will receive a free Copper Tech Golf Club with the copper-infused technology that will improve your performance. So how about that? You get swag right out of the gate. Go to the Golf Insiders and join up for our free e-club, thegolfinsiders.com. Well, uh, it wasn't a happy day on Sunday for Team USA at Le Golf National and the Ryder Cup being played in Paris, France. Europe basically kicked our butts 17.5 points to 10.5. And we're going to be discussing that this evening with some of our favorite golf insiders as well as kicking off, yes, the 2018-2019 PGA Tour season. They barely got a week off, and they're teeing it up out in Napa Valley. So we're going to bring in one of our first top and favorite golf insiders this evening. You see him every morning as co-host of Morning Drive on the Golf Channel, the one, the only, Damon Hack. Hello, Big D. Good evening, Holly G. How are you? Oh, I'm good, my friend, and uh, we have this... Uh, Fun to be on on a special edition here on Thursday night, so we appreciate you uh, making the time to join us. Glad to talk, even in the wake of, uh, now what is that, six straight road defeats for the United States team going all the way back to 1993. The streak started in 97, and on and on it has gone. It's not pretty. We know that. What are your uh, top takeaways? Obviously, we've had a few days of, of uh, you know, the aftermath, the crystal ball, you know, what ifs. What, where, where do you uh, stand now as we're a few days past the, the finals on Sunday? Yeah, a few things really come to mind. How delicate uh, the balance is between team golf uh, and just the dynamics we're in. These aren't players that are used to being team uh, teammates. Golf is an individual game, as we all know, and, and just how tough it is for these guys to put ego aside and know that it's not all about them. And I think that the Europeans uh, traditionally have done that better. Uh, they pull together. They've got this underdog spirit that seems to carry them, uh, even with guys that have huge houses in the States, like Ian Poulter and Henrik Stenson. They, they're able to kind of go with that underdog European tour. We're disrespected compared to the PGA Tour and pull together and they really put their egos aside for the betterment of the team. And it's not that the U.S. players don't like each other and don't get along, but just the slightest little, um, you know, impropriety or discomfort, or in this case, Patrick Reed feeling like he was 
disrespected and not told immediately that he wouldn't be playing with Jordan Spieth. It doesn't take much to upset the team dynamic. And going into these matches, I've talked to a bunch of football coaches, R.C. Slocum and, and Dan Rees. I've talked to a couple of ex-players like Joe Seisman and A.J. Hawk, and they said that the team dynamic, it is so delicate. And if one person is unhappy, it can wreck the whole thing. Well, and that was with a big sign, apparently, in the team room saying, you know, check your egos at the door. Yeah, it's one thing to say it and have it posted on a wall. It's harder to do. And so the big stories that came out of the week were, were Patrick Reed staring across the dais at, at Jordan Spieth uh, and later saying to the New York Times that he was about to light up that press room as Phil Mickelson did back in 2014 to, to, to state his discomfort and disappointment and anger. Uh, about being separated from a player who'd had so much success with him in the Ryder Cup. And it's not like he got chopped liver for, for a second choice to play with Tiger Woods, who's his hero, who's the 14-time major champ. But he was clearly upset and felt that he wasn't you know, communicated with and that he was blindsided by Jim Furyk's choice. The people inside that team room say that he was not blindsided, that he knew all along. So you've got a he said, he said now in the locker room. And then there's just the play itself. Tiger 0 for 4, Phil 0 for 2. Dustin Johnson getting beat by Ian Poulter in singles on Sunday. Uh, the team didn't perform well. So you've got the little bit of, uh, you know, light infighting, we'll call it. And and uh, and then also the fact that the Europeans just outperformed, you know, Francesco Molinari and, and Tommy Fleetwood, the so-called Mollywood duo going 4-0 together. And then Molinari adding that fifth point, taking down Phil Mickelson. So it was a cascade and a comedy of errors for the United States. Agree. And you think of uh, back to Hazeltine and uh, Patrick coming out as, you know, truly carrying the title of Captain America and that passion and, you know, just that excitement that he brought, you know, very similar to what the European team brings. And you could tell something was off, and we never saw Captain America the whole time. I mean, granted, he didn't, you know, play very well. But if that was brewing in the background, you know, that messes with the secret sauce. It really does, Holly G. It's a great point. And we saw Patrick Reed flying around Hazeltine and flying around Glen Eagles and pumping his fist at Liberty National in the President's Cup last year. And he was, he was out of it. He was a docile, um, unable to hit fairways. Obviously, something was bothering him. I mean, we know how, how mental this game is. If something's slightly off in golf, if your mind is elsewhere, if you're not completely committed to every shot and every swing, that's going to manifest itself inside the ropes. And, and then Tiger Woods, uh, according to, to folks that I talked to, he was just whipped. He was absolutely exhausted. Flew right from his huge celebration in Atlanta uh, to Paris. Uh, you know, he looked like a 42-year-old golfer. Phil Mickelson looked every bit of age 48. Uh, so it really was just a combination of factors. But to hear the Europeans and to see how they work together and to see Rory play with Jordan Olsen if necessary or Ian Poulter, uh, those guys just mix and match, and it doesn't matter. And if you're an American team and you're complaining about who you're playing with, uh, and, and there's not to mention the, the stories about DJ and Brooks getting into a little bit of a – of a nose-to-nose. It, it's just these stories just tell you that anything that upsets the, the balance of teamwork, it can really sink the whole ship. What was the scoop on that? Did, did you hear anything more? Because I, I found that a bit uh, a bit surprising. I mean, you know, supposedly these guys and, and Brooks said, uh, you know, come on, we're, we're best of friends. Uh, you know, it was a made-up story. True? False? Yeah. yeah, I've talked to some folks that were actually at the party and and they said that it was probably overblown the way it was written. You saw two large men who I imagine had a little bit of libations and, and were in the European team room. And, and I think that a couple people might have misinterpreted what they saw or maybe exaggerated what they saw. Uh, these are two highly competitive guys, close friends. Yeah, they work out together. They practice together. They're obviously disappointed in what, uh, what happened uh, inside the ropes. And I think that probably carried over. Uh, into Sunday night. One source said that they had a problem even before they got to Paris, but I haven't been able to uh, confirm that uh, that uh, speculation. I, I think that's what happens. When, when when you lose, everybody's picking apart the reasons why. I thought, you know, Brooks Koepka doesn't really fill up the notebook and like the, the press conference situation. It might have been the best quote that he's ever given, saying that's what happens, you know, whether you're in team sports like 
the NFL or Major League Baseball, when a team that's supposed to win loses, that's when you start to see the fissures and the fractures. Yeah, couldn't agree more. We're talking to Damon Hack, co-host of Morning Drive on the Golf Channel. So, Jim Furyk said it was back to the you know PGA Ryder Cup Committee Task Force, whatever the heck they want to call it. Where do you think they go from here to prepare for Whistling Straits? Well, it sounds like uh, all indications are that Steve Stricker, who's been a part of uh, the rebuilding of USA camaraderie in the wake of Glen Eagles in 2014, in his 50s now, still relevant in the game, very popular, and maybe most importantly, a Wisconsinite, will be the United States captain, barring some upset, barring some huge you know, change of philosophy. Uh, if you ask most people in Team USA, they don't think it's broken, despite the 17.5, 10 defeat. Stricker is well-respected, still plays the game at a high level, uh, beloved in that state. It would help attract a, a ton of fans uh, to Wisconsin. Uh, in 2020, so I think that uh, they'll try to work on some things. They're in an interesting spot. They've got some young players who are starting to really, you know, emphasize their their weight uh, in, in the team room, like Spieth and Thomas. They have to continue to raise their voice. And you have guys like Tiger and Phil, who, let's be honest, they're not only at the end of their Ryder Cup career, they they haven't performed. They just have not been able to perform in this in this environment traditionally. So I'd like to see the young players like Spieth and Thomas have more of a voice going forward. Yeah, and I noticed, you know, in the presser that, uh, well, first of all, Phil acknowledged that he wasn't playing well and that he spent more time hitting balls trying to, you know, find something that would click. Uh, he says he's more motivated than ever for the next two years. He's going to be 50. Damon, what do you think? Well, he told our David Faraday that he will be a 50-year-old playing at Whistling Straits in two years' time. I think Phil's starting to slow down. His win in Mexico this season, um, notwithstanding, I, I think would be an upset. I think because of the way he performed as a captain's pick, he'd have to make the team outright. There's so much depth right now on the U.S. side. Young players uh, who, who I think would like to get that chance. Uh, Kevin Kisner, who played in the President's Cup. Xander, who missed out. He now performed beautifully. Uh, you know, how about Billy Horschel, who's yet to play in a President's or Ryder Cup? There are a lot of players, not to mention the Spieth, Thomas, Reed, DJ, Kepka crew, who you know will be there. I-, I think Phil would have to somehow find lightning in a bottle because I don't think he'll ever be selected as a captain's pick again, considering his 0-for-2 performance. He couldn't play as much. You know, Fury couldn't use him, and when he did have to play, he didn't play well. Well, we know of uh, Steve Strick. Stricker is a hometown boy there in Wisconsin, so uh, perhaps this is lining up already uh, for some magic uh, leading up to 2020. Um, Wanted to mention one thing because I haven't had a chance yet, and I know it was evident um, during the Ryder Cup that both teams were wearing the yellow ribbons, Damon, in honor of the Iowa State golfer who was tragically killed. Can you say something about that briefly? Yeah, Celia Orozamena from uh, Spain, who had played golf at Iowa State, who grew up uh, a huge fan of Sergio Garcia. There's an absolutely precious picture of her as a little girl, um, you know, kissing Sergio when he was a young professional. Uh, She was tragically killed on the golf course in Ames, Iowa, and and the players on both sides were wearing the yellow ribbons to honor her. Just a a tragic story of a a wonderful young life uh, cut short in a mindless way uh the the perpetrator uh thankfully has been been found and and is in in prison awaiting trial of uh, just a very difficult story uh, uh for team europe and from those here in the united states who who got to play golf with her at iowa state and and you know her her uh, spirit was definitely evident uh, last week in paris yeah had a beautiful picture i believe it was the at the iowa state football game uh, with all the fans in yellow, her favorite color, as well as her initials uh, being, um, you know, formed out on the field with the band. It was uh, quite moving. Yeah, it really, really was. And it was a tough story. I had to read the obit on Morning Drive, and, and those are tough to do. You just, you know, it's one thing for, for someone in their 90s or, or, or hundreds to pass. When you have a, a, a young woman with her whole life ahead of her, it just, uh, it just, it doesn't feel right, and it's part of the business. We, 
we try to send love and prayers and, and thoughts, and it's just uh, it just puts a pit in your stomach. It's a tough story to have to report out. Absolutely. So tell us what's uh, coming up on the Golf Channel as we begin this week and weekend to launch the 2018-2019 season. It's amazing. 11 days uh, after the Tour Championship, so even a shorter offseason for someone like Bill Mickelson, who told our George Savarikas that he's absolutely exhausted this week. We've got opening day today. Our coverage started at 5.30 Eastern time, the first round of the Safeway Open in Napa at Silverado Resort, which, of course, had that devastating fire a year ago. So it's been nice to see Silverado bounce back in the surrounding community, known for its wine and great food. And, and Phil Mickelson, age 48, the headliner, also a two-time defending champ back-to-back, and Brendan Steele, Sang Moon Bay, the 2014 champ, is part of that threesome. So it's neat to see some players uh, that you're familiar with. And, of course, a lot of Web.com Tour graduates uh, like Chase Wright in this field and, and Sam Burns, who went to LSU and competed uh, so well last year in spot duty on the PGA Tour, uh, went bogey-free around with Tiger Woods at uh, Sunday at the Honda Classic a year ago. So some young players and some veteran players, and uh, here we go, 2018-19 season. And if you, if you miss golf, uh, you don't have to wait too long to get it back. That's right, and a quick update because they're out and out on the course right now because, as you mentioned, it's out in California. And uh, Phil... Uh, just completed 13 holes, and he's uh, minus six. Damon, he's just two off uh, the lead, uh, who was Chase uh, Wright, who shot a 64. Man, these guys well, are good, aren't they? They really are. I guess Phil's uh, showing us why he's in the World Golf Hall of Fame, and, and maybe he's going to uh, find something for age 50 <laughs> after all. So good for Phil for uh, finding some energy when he seemed to be completely without it the last couple of weeks in Atlanta and Paris. He might have a six-pack of uh, Red Bull in his in his bag. Who who knows, <laughs> right, buddy? He is a California kid. we got to give him that. All right. Tune in to Morning Drive. What time tomorrow, Damon? 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. leading into coverage of the Alfred Dunhill Links. Awesome. Love that. European tour coverage. We love the Golf Channel. Thank you, Damon Hack. We love you. Thanks, Holly G. Talk to you soon. You listen to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back with more Golf Talk. Quite an impact, actually. Uh, when he shanked that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggles blue. The struggles blue. We're back. The Golf Insiders. In the house, your host, Holly G, on this special edition Thursday show. Um, we usually are Wednesday nights from 6 to 7. So if you're a new listener tonight, I invite you to come sign up for our free e-club at thegolfinsiders.com. Just look for the button that says e-club at thegolfinsiders.com and you will receive a free Copper Tech Golf Club. Simply for signing up for our e-club, it'll get you our weekly e-newsletter, our podcasts, and um, all kinds of opportunities for free swag. you got to love that. So sign up, Golf Insiders, thegolfinsiders.com. Well, as we were talking at the top, um, unfortunately, the USA got spanked. Team USA just absolutely uh, went down in flames on Sunday. Europe winning 17.5 to 10.5. And And, um, to to get me out of my funk and to break this down, I needed to call in one of my favorite golf insiders who uh, was helping co-host last week, Dr. Bob Winters from drbobwinters.com, one of the best sports psychologists in the business, based right here in Orlando, Going to uh, get on the couch with Dr. Bob and see how he breaks down the mental side of what went wrong at this year's Ryder Cup. Hi, Dr. Bob. Hi, Holly. How are you? Great to be with you. Yes, thank you so much. And you will uh, have a very, very interesting blog on our e-newsletter tomorrow. And you titled it The European Secret Sauce. Explain to our listeners. Well, you know, the secret sauce, I used uh, sort of the KISS philosophy. It used to be saying, keep it simple, stupid. I've always liked to say, keep it simple and specific. But I wanted to use this one as keep it, you know, the secret sauce. And the Europeans do things so much well. And 
uh, and, and they do it very well. They did, they did it much better this year than the Americans. And, and what they did was they kept the game of golf simple. They went out. They had their task. They beat the golf course. They actually had harmony in the locker room, and they had great harmony and great teamwork out on the golf course when the flag went up. And that's where the Europeans were studs, and the USA team turned out to be a bunch of duds. Now, not everybody in the USA team. I'm going to give kudos to Tony Hinao and Justin Thomas and uh, Webb Simpson. I thought they did a great job. But, you know, a lot of the people in the you know, USA team, and as I was telling you about a month, two months ago, I said I would have left a few of those players back home. So it, it, was, it was a tough one, you know, for me to watch, Holly, because I have actually seen this demise of the USA team for the last two decades. I don't really like, you know, where it's been. I don't like where it is. And I don't really like where it's going. And I, I just totally, the task force is really useless. It has Phil Mickelson and Davis Love, the third fingerprints all on it. They bring sort of a losing mindset for the past several Ryder Cup teams into it. And I just don't like it. I think it needs to, you know, to be sort of, you know, a clean slate. Let's take a look. Let's get back to basics. Let's play golf and let's beat the golf course and put our best people that want to be there you know, on, you know, the Ryder Cup team, not players that feel like they're obligated to be on the team. I want players like the Europeans that say, this is a golden opportunity. I've been waiting for this my whole life. Let's go. So that's my opening rant right there, Holly. Well, uh, some excellent points. I know one thing you pointed to in your uh, blog that will be out on our e-newsletter tomorrow is about uh, when a team plays as the underdog, which the Europeans have for quite a while. And, you know, there's some deep history behind this. We remember, you know, it was Arnold Palmer who really championed the Open Championship, coming over from across the pond in the 60s at the height of his popularity and really introduced, you know, America and many parts of the world to the Open Championship as well as, you know, the Ryder Cup. And, um, you know, we beat them for a number of years. And, you know, that got deep into their DNA over there in Europe. Share more about that. Well, I think, you know, a little bit. Let's go back to where Tony Jacklin was, you know, the Open champion and the U.S. Open champion in 69 and 70. And they asked him, Ken Schofield asked him if he would be the actual captain of the Ryder Cup team. And Tony Jacklin said, yes, Ken, I'd be glad to do it, but we're going to do one thing. I'm going to do it my way, or we're not going to do it at all. We're going to go first class because Tony Jacklin said, hey, listen, the Americans are flying over here on the Concorde. We want to fly on the Concorde back over there. We we don't want to be in the back flying coach and want to, who's going to buy us drinks or whatever. They didn't even have bags. They didn't even have uniforms that matched so, you know, when we talk about underdogs, and I talk about in my blog, my article, about how the Europeans are underdogs, well, they're only underdogs if you're talking to American golfers who don't know the Europeans very well, because this wasn't an underdog team. What we suffer from here in America, we suffer from overestimation of our own talent. We talk about this team being so great on paper, hey, you know, when we actually have to go play, you've got to tee it up. You've got to play. It doesn't matter, you know, what your official world golf ranking is because I tell you what, the golf ball and the golf course don't really care. And that's why I say in this article, a reputation and hype never beat anybody. And from man to man, 1 through 12, the European team was every bit as strong. If you want to talk about playing performance, all over the world, you know, and they matched head-to-head you know, very squarely with the Americans. And here's the one thing, Holly, that I have a beef about. You know, many years ago, Vincent Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers and Bobby Knight of Indiana University fame, whether you love them, hate them, respect them, or whatever, these were two great coaches that used to talk about having the will to win. Everybody has that. 
But they said one thing's more important than that, and that was the will to prepare to win. I don't believe we were prepared to win. And I'll tell you why, because not many players from the USA team really knew what they were getting into when they actually went to Lake Golf National. The only player that really went over there had any sort of inkling what was going on was Justin Thomas. And Justin Thomas, you know, was probably the very best player on the USA side, he and Tony Finau. And Tony Finau has been one of the most consistent players, and he's actually sort of his estimation and I've known Tony because I worked with him many years ago. He takes Tommy Fleetwood, takes him you know, to task, beats him six and four. And Tommy Fleetwood and Tony Finau over the last two to three months have been the most consistent and the best golfers on you know this planet Earth. Absolutely. So, so when you talk about you know, hey, what happened to the Americans? They weren't prepared. They weren't prepared for the golf course. They didn't really have it. And I kudos to Thomas Bjorn because he didn't change that layout. And you and I talked about this last week and a couple of weeks. He didn't change that layout because he knows that Tommy Fleetwood, Alex Noren, they've won there before in the French Open. He didn't want to change any of that venue. He did have the rough grow a little bit thicker, but he didn't really change the overall layout of the course. And everybody says, well, they tricked it up for the Europeans. That isn't true at all. It's just the Americans wanted to take out driver, and absolutely you could not take out driver on that course. You've got to hit it in the fairway. And whether you're hitting 8-iron, 7-iron, or 6-iron, every grizzled tour veteran I've ever worked with says, hey, I'd rather be hitting it from the short grass rather than hitting a wedge from four to five inches of deep rough. I mean, that's just a fact. So there's a lot of things that happen here. And so, you know, so people always ask me, do you have an opinion on this? Yes, I do. And I've given you quite a few of them. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. We're talking to Dr. Bob Winters, sports psychologist, based out at the David Ledbetter Academy here in Orlando. So uh, in terms of the golf course, I will say they, you know, the the U.S. team knew there was going to be rough. They knew this was not going to be Hazeltine. They knew that the European captain would narrow up those fairways. So given that, you said that you may have, um, you know, made different captain's picks. And as we know, uh, Furyk's captain's picks didn't, you know, end up playing very well. Now, we wouldn't have expected Bryson DeChambeau, who was one of the hottest players going in to play the way he did. Maybe there was some rookie nerves there. Um, certainly, you know, Tiger we thought would play better, but there was just nothing left in his tank. Phil, well, you know, we we know Phil's story. So, you know, were you surprised who else? You know, Fino, of course, just shined, absolutely shined. Who who would you have picked differently? And um, you know, as we wrap things up, what do you see for the future in 2020 at uh, Whistling Straits? Well, well, I'll tell you what. Who I would have taken? I, I would have taken you know some people that were really hungry. I would have taken Zander Shafley. Uh, he actually is straight. He's a really good iron player, a good ball player. You could pair him with almost anyone. Kevin Kisner would have been a really good pick. Even a Brian Harmon. Now, these guys are really pretty straight, and they are very good iron players. And i got to tell you, when push comes to shove, you know, grit and heart and intestinal fortitude is really what you want in a Ryder Cup player. Not that they're the number one or number two or three official World Golf Ranking member. I want somebody on the team that I know that I want to go to battle with who's going to give me their all. Because it seems to me like the very best part of this whole week, you know, for the United States team was we went to the Palace of Versailles, and all I kept seeing was our U.S. players taking pictures of their very pretty wives and girlfriends. I'll give them that. And it was a spectacular night. But when, you know, Thursday, and when Friday came up, you know, or when Friday came up, I guess it was, when they were ready to play, United States team, a lot of them didn't show up. I don't know if they were just having too much fun or they weren't ready to play, but I tell you, I don't think they were really prepared. And i got to say this about Tiger. You know, God bless him. I think he did a great job at the Tour Championship. Great that he won his 80th. You know, I give him all the credit in the world. He did look tired, but i got to tell you, he really hasn't had a very good Ryder Cup record and Phil either one. So a lot of Furyk's wild cards picks, 
didn't really come through like Thomas Bjorn's picks. And so when we actually give, you know, the grade, grade report cards, hey, Thomas Bjorn, you get an A-plus, and so does the whole European team. United States, hey, we got to go back to class. We, we've got to get this right. You got that right, Dr. Bob, and you know what? They are still probably drinking a whole lot of champagne over there <laughs> yeah, in, good for them. in Europe. Good Dr. For them. Bob Winters, we always love talking with you, drbobwinters.com. You can find out how to get in touch with him and, uh, you know, the best in our business based right here in Orlando. If you've got an aspiring high school or college student or, uh, you know, he works with tour players as well. Just look them up at drbobwinters.com. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Holly. Have a great week. You're listening to Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. Swing in the house drives my wife up the wall. She shouldn't worry, I don't use a ball. It'd be good to just make The Golf Insiders in the house, Holly G. On this special edition of the Golf Insiders on this Thursday evening, you can normally find us Wednesday nights from 6 to 7 prime time. And uh, tonight we're uh, doing some coverage of the Ryder Cup as well as uh, we're breaking out the new 2018-2019 PGA Tour season this week. For those of you listening for the first time, you can go to thegolfinsiders.com, thegolfinsiders.com, and sign up for our free e-club. gives you the chance to uh, participate in some of our contests and get lots of free swag. And uh, for those of you that sign up this week, you will receive a free Copper Tech Golf Club, a free Copper Tech Golf Glove with copper-infused technology that will improve your performance. So check it out, our e-club at thegolfinsiders.com. And now I want to uh, bring in a very good friend of the Golf Insiders. He is one of our bloggers on our e-newsletter, The Inside Take, as well as a contributor to 4 Magazine and Golf Digest, and one of the best writers from the West Coast, Ted Johnson, to fill us in about what's going on at Napa Valley and the Safeway Open. Hello, Ted Bob. Hello. I think the biggest thing going on is reservations, pretty much. I mean, they come to Napa Valley, and it's like, where can you eat? Let's go here. Let's go there. I, this is one of the few places you'll find a lot of wives in because it's not Greensboro and it's not Fort Worth. You know, it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> so everybody worries about where they're going to eat and where they're going to stay. But it's a great place, great weather, great tournament this weekend. It's going to be really low-key. You see a lot of new things, uh, some new people you haven't seen before. But I see Mr. Mickelson shot 700 today, so that's a little 65 for you. I so have I him out. Be okay. I still have him out on the course. Is he finished? Yeah, he finished. Okay. Uh, he shot a little 700. Nice. Yep. Well, he's just one shot, shot off of the lead. Um, Chase right. Wright is, uh, shot a 64. He's at 8 under. Uh, tell us yep. something about him. Uh, isn't he a, a graduate of the of the dot com of the web dot com tour? Another one of these guys who's going to come up, going to get their chance to play right now. That's right. And then, and forty nine of them that are playing in this event out of fifty that just graduated and got their cards. So this is exactly what it is. It's an event for you to get some official money, get some experience, and it's also a great place to stay. So. Uh, it's hard to beat as a tour stop. I mean, this is not, you're not staying at a Motel 6. Uh, in fact, your caddy's not even staying at a Motel 6. So it could be a little more expensive that way. But um, it's, a, it's an old traditional Robert Trent Jones. This is 1964 golf. Uh, Johnny Miller remodeled it about six years ago. There's not much elevation change. Again, it's long, straight par fours, some slight dog legs, pinched down in the landing areas, got a carry, lay back some deceptive bunkering, not much, you know, and it's traditional. So this is like, I mean, this calls up Kermit Zarley, 
I mean, this calls up Johnny Miller in his prime in the 70s is what this course does. And it, and it used to be the home of the Kaiser Open. So, um, And remember, the Silverado was a long-time um, stop, uh, the Transamerica Open and the Senior Tour. So Trevino won here like four times. It's a great old place. Yeah, uh, and, if, and the weather. Sorry, Ted. I was just going to say, and people may remember uh, also those devastating wildfires that were going on out there in your neck of the woods last year. Exactly. It came down. It started at the Sunday night, the last tournament. In fact, a condo, I believe, on the tenth hole of the South Course burnt down, uh, and it came so fast. It was viciously fast. People tell stories about how they looked up, and all of a sudden, what's that smell? And they look up, and the hillsides are glowing, and then 10 minutes later, it's roaring down the hillside. They had 50-mile-an-hour winds at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and pushing these flames, and they just went crazy. Devastated. There were four fires, actually, um, and one of them happened uh, up near Santa Rosa, and outside Santa Rosa is a very high-end uh, course, private course called Mayakama, a great Jack Nicklaus design, and it was a high-end celebrity event that people, hockey players and, and baseball players, were literally climbing into on top of taxis, leaving everything in the rooms just to get out of the area. There was just no way to get out. It was quite devastating, and, and they're still trying to recover from it. So you can't find a carpenter in Northern California, by the way. They're they're all busy. I bet. They're all making forty-five dollars $45 an hour. <laughs> oh, so. I, no, no doubt. Well, it's good to see an event like this that's been around forever. Um, you know, mm-hmm. especially, you know, we know the ones that get all the attention. This is coming off, you know, the, the playoffs and the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup and the Ryder Cup. How does an event like this, you know, stay alive for as long as it has? It's, it's really, you know, some of, the, some of the great stories behind the PGA Tour. And it's, so there's heritage the place. Like I said, the Kaiser Open was here. It was a long time, a long time um, stop on the PGA Tour as well as the Senior Tour. Um, you know, Northern California doesn't really have, by that I mean the Greater Bay Area, doesn't really have its own tour stop. It has a web.com tour event in the summer uh, at a place called Stonebrae, TPC San Francisco, to those uh, outside the area. Uh, and, of course, the only time the PGA Tour comes close is, Pebble Beach, which is two hours south of the greater Bay Area. So um, that's why when events do come, like we have events, we have the, I think we have the 2021 PGA Championship coming to Harding Park. Um, we have the 2023 U.S. Women's Open coming to Pebble Beach. Of course, the 1919 U.S. Open, uh, a year uh, coming up in nine more months, will be in Pebble Beach. But the point is, San Francisco itself, which used to be the home of the Lucky Open back in the 60s, great old small tournament at Harding Park. There's great golf tradition uh, in the Bay Area, but there's no real, per se, pro event in the Bay Area. Swinging skirts on the LPGA Tour was here at Lake Merced, which is probably the, one of the most favorite courses that the LPGA woman, the players, love the course. Um, but even that comes and goes. So it's kind of sad that there's no real PGA Tour or professional women's golf event in the Bay Area. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we know the Olympic Club, too, site of uh, the U.S. Open. Several U.S. Opens, yes. Yeah. So uh, that a bad um, list here, though. You've got uh, Brant Snedeker playing in the event. Yep. Brett uh, posted a 66 today. Sam Saunders, yep. very, our very own Sam Saunders, uh, Arnold Palmer's grandson from go. Orlando. Yep. Uh, he posted yep. a 66. You've got Kevin Streelman in the mix, and um, yep. of course we we mentioned Phil, and then we've got the defending champ Brendan Steele looking to three Pete. Yes, yes, that could be and exciting. That hasn't been that hasn't been done since Stricker won the John Deere in three years in a row back uh, almost a decade ago. So um, you know, again, it's it's some courses or just favor some players. Uh, I personally think someone, you know, like Jonathan Bird or, or Patrick Cantlay uh, will endure. The other thing, though, is it, even for the web.com players, their familiarity of the course is one thing. But second thing is um, it's a long season. It's a very long season. And when you're on the road 25 weeks a year, that's, you're, you're away from home half the year. And granted, it's golf and granted, it's glamorous, but you're on the road half the time. 
I mean, you're eating room service or you're going out or you got to go to practice. And it's a tough life. These, some of these guys are tired and yep. they still got to kind of bounce back and, and get their going. And this is the type of event. It's a low-key event. It's not the strongest field in the world. Again, an old traditional golf course, great greens. You get it going, you're going to score. You score, you're going to make some money. And that's what it's all about, to keep your card. Not only that, your card. not only that, but you're going to get to see probably some golf in prime time because we've got the three-hour time difference as we come into the weekend for the Safeway Open from Napa Valley, California. Ted Johnson, you can check out his blog on the Insight Take on the GolfInsiders.com. And Ted Bob, as always, we love to uh, spend a few minutes with you. Thanks so much, my friend. Thanks for calling, Holly. We'll see you soon. All right. You got it. The Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble. Won't pay the price. I love my muni. I think it's nice. Swing in the house drives my wife up the wall. She shouldn't worry, I don't use a ball. It'd be good to just make hard. We're back, the Golf Insiders. In the house, Holly G on this special edition Thursday night Golf Insider show. You can find us most Wednesday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. And if you're a new listener tonight, um, you can sign up for our free e-club at thegolfinsiders.com, thegolfinsiders.com. And uh, you'll be able to participate in some of our weekly contests, all the free swag we like to give away. In fact, if you sign up this week, you will receive a free CopperTech golf glove with copper-infused technology that will improve your performance. That's a $25 deal right there just for signing up for our e-club, thegolfinsiders.com. Well, we're wrapping up this special hour with our uh, last golf insider. He's formerly from uh, Orlando and with the Orlando Sentinel, was the golf writer there, and um, now freelancing for a whole bunch of Golf sites including PGATour.com and Pro Golf Weekly, as well as the Golf Insiders blog. The one, the only, my good friend, Jeff Shane. Hello, my friend. How are you doing tonight? Oh, my goodness. We're, you know, this, this is an hour late for us. So, you know, I'm past my bedtime. What can I say? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it does make it a little discombobulated, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But we've had a lot of golf to talk about. Obviously, we're launching the 2018-2019 season right now out at the Safeway Open in Napa. The guys are still on the course. We have the you know three-hour difference, being that it's uh, in the uh, in Northern California, if you will. But a, a pretty good uh, leaderboard, I have to say, at this point. With Phil, I, I think maybe had a, a bunch of a bunch of Red Bulls out on the golf course because he managed to <laughs> shoot he managed to shoot seven under. Um, well, at, at this point, I think he's still out on the course, but he's one back from Chase Wright. Yeah, he he certainly uh, his, his score looks a lot more lively than anything he put together either at East Lake or uh, you know in France. So it, it's nice to see him getting a second win for for a lot of people. It's probably a week too late, but uh, you know he's got to get ready for that big pay per view match of his. And what is it? Seven weeks until that. So right, uh, thanks. He's got some work to do. Thanksgiving weekend. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you you just uh, made me think of Black Friday there. Um, so <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. Has anybody else thrown this out? Can can we scrap the Tiger Phil match and replace it with Spieth and Patrick Reed? I think that would draw much better ratings. Ooh, you had to go there, huh? All right. What uh, what's your <laughs> what's your take on the Ryder Cup and that little brouhaha? <laughs> Um, boy, I, I wish Team USA had showed as much fight during the Ryder Cup as they did in the 72 hours after. But 
I, I, I honestly think, and, and you can see this in, in what I wrote for Golf Insiders, uh, the Golf Insiders blog, the, the most genius move that came out of that uh, was that Thomas Bjorn ordered up an old-time U.S. Open setup, and we had narrow fairways and tight rough, and the Americans, by and large, didn't know how to handle it. Too many drivers coming out of the bag, not enough trying to just get the ball in place so that you can take your second shot and make a uh, make an, a, a good attempt at birdie. And I think that's where it all eventually fell apart. Uh, U.S. got lucky with that first session, maybe got a little overconfident, and then it all crumbled around them. It sure did. And uh, perhaps uh, if Steve Stricker is the captain, um, maybe he needs to promise that uh, he'll get a little tattoo of some sort uh, after the matches in Whistling Straits, because apparently uh, I I think that's what uh, Thomas Bjorn is headed for. That's what that's what we're all reading. I I don't know that we'll ever see it on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, maybe we will if it's a you know really really tight shot. Apparently, but uh, hey, whatever works as motivation. You know, sometimes we've seen football teams in high school. You know, the coach will say, "I'll shave my head if you beat our arch rival," and then on Monday they're shaving the coach's head. So. You know, it sounds a little weird for golf, but, hey, whatever gets these guys fired up but during the tournament. That's right. So we still have uh, two uh, big countdowns going on here on the Champions Tour and the LPGA Tour. The Schwab Cup coming up, uh, as well as the race to the CME in November. Both those tours playing for their season-ending you know, playoffs and official cup, if you will. Uh, just... For a few minutes, Jeff, can you break down what's happening on the Champions Tour? And then, um, the, of course, the LPGA playing this uh, UL uh, International Crown, correct? Right, right. And it, it's, it's their version of the President's Cup without being the President's Cup. Uh, they're allowing players to compete under flags. So we've got England and South Korea and Thailand and the United States and Japan and uh, the United States, by the way, is the defending champion here. Uh, four players, four-person teams, and it's it's two-person team event both, uh, well, last night, tonight, tomorrow, and then uh, they'll play singles uh, for the final round. Um, and, and a good field. Uh, obviously, South Korea is favored. Three of their four are in the top ten in the world rankings, and at one time all four of them were in the top ten of the world rankings, and they're playing on home soil. Uh, so far, so good for them. Um, and and the LPGA is still kind of odd because we have had only three multiple winners the entire season. Uh, we've got uh, three wins by Sunghyun Park. We've got three wins by Arya Jitanagarn. And we've got two wins by Brooke Henderson. And the, the other 21 winners on the LPGA Tour, I think it's 21, uh, you know, everybody has won just once. And so... Uh, I think a lot is wide open. The tour is now over for its Asian swing, kind of winding down the season. There was no more events on U.S. soil until uh, the CME Group Championship uh, in Naples uh, in the middle of November. So still a lot to play for there. Yep, the Champions Tour right down the road. in uh, yeah. What is it, Tiburon in, in Naples? Yes, yes, Tiburon. And... Uh, uh, last year was interesting uh, with, with that one, too, because uh, <laughs> kind of like this year, everything was kind of hanging out to be claimed at the uh, at the final uh, event. And uh, Lexi Thompson could have been player of the year and number one, but she missed a birdie putt at the very end, a short birdie putt. And it wound up uh, being Sunghyun Park and uh, Moria, or Aria Jitanagarn sharing player of the year. So a lot a lot left out there to play for on the LPGA. Champions Tour has one regular season event. That's next week in North Carolina, the SAS Championship, and then they'll go into their three-event playoffs. Hopefully it'll go better than last year's playoffs where Bernard Longer won the first two playoff events to give him seven wins for the year, and they reset the points, and Kevin Sutherland won the Charles Schwab Cup. Uh, but it's a lot more even this year. Uh, in, in fact, uh, Longer isn't even in the top five in uh, Charles Schwab points right now as we've started to see the likes of Jerry Kelly and Miguel Angel Jimenez and uh, 
players like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of who just took over. Oh, um, Scott McCarron just took over number one in the Charles Schwab Cup. Right, who Scott's, Scott's been on fire, no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, he's having a, a great uh, time on the Champions Tour. Well, one champion player who's playing on the PGA Tour this week is, you know who, my favorite, Freddie Couples. He is actually playing in the Safeway event, and today is his 59th birthday. You know, we see, we're used to seeing Freddie at the Masters, uh, but you know, you got to love Freddie. He's still got game, and he's teeing it up with uh, the Young Guns this week on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I'm glad to see him be, be able to do that. He play a limited schedule, uh, depending on what, it, what his back can and cannot handle, and and, and he's kind of struggled to get starts this year, but I'm glad he's feeling well enough to tee it up in this event. And then, again, like I say, hopefully he can play four more weeks after that uh, with uh, the SAS next week and the playoffs after that. Well, who do you think, uh, Jeff, is going to raise the trophy at the Safeway as we kick off the 2018-2019 wraparound PGA Tour season? It would be something if Phil was to actually win this. Um, I, I'm, I honestly have my doubts he can do it for four rounds. I picked another Californian who is the only other player to have made it to Eastlake uh, who is playing in the field this week. Uh, and he, he won about this time last year in Vegas, and we know how good he is. Uh, and he's starting to come into his own, and, and that's Patrick Cantlay. He's my number one pick this week. Oh, I like that one. I'm going to go with Brant Snedeker. And uh, as my number two pick, because, you know, I always pick two, I'm going to take our <laughs> local boy, Sam Saunders. I'd love to see him break through, and he shot a nice little 66 today to put himself in the mix, uh, just two off the leader, Chase Wright. So uh, lots of golf this weekend for everybody listening. Thank you, Jeff Shane, so much. And uh, for those of you listening to the Golf Insiders for the first time, come check us out on Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. That's our normal time slot. And you can go to thegolfinsiders.com, thegolfinsiders.com, and sign up for our free e-club, and we'll send you a free Copper Tech Golf Club. We hope you've enjoyed this hour. Tune in. Listen to us next week, Wednesday night, 6 to 7, the Golf Insiders. Holly G., I've got a tea time. Bye-bye.